0: Amen. Please be seated. Wow. Thank you, worship team, for your ministry to us and leading us into the presence of God. We're going to continue our series today on spiritual warfare. We've talked about the fact that we are in a battle. It's easier to see in this day and age because of all the things that are happening around us. It looks like it's a political battle. It looks like it's a war of ideas, culture wars, value wars, wars over traditional marriage or abortion or women's rights or sexual identity or gender, socialism versus capitalism, immigration. We can go on and on. And even though this warfare works its way out in the realm of ideas, politics, values, and rights, the real battle, as we've talked about, the real battle is invisible. Makes it kind of complicated, doesn't it? It's an invisible war. Ephesians 6.12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not what we can see. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. That's why Peter said in 1 Peter 5.8, Be self-controlled and alert. He's saying, pay attention. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a lion, looking for someone to devour there is a war. Our opponent is the devil, or it's Satan. We've talked about the fact that God is all powerful and God is sovereign, but Satan has an obvious influence of powerful presence in our world. We talked about what God allows Satan to do, and we talked about the indications that he's at work. What are the indications that it's a spiritual attack? How do we know it's the devil who's responsible? And what are our weapons? How do we fight? What do we have in our arsenal to fight in the heavenly realm? Some people deny Satan has any power, or they try to minimize his role in history and the affairs of people. And indeed, the Bible teaches us to worship God, but be aware of the devil. Worship God, be aware of Satan, what he's doing. The material we cover has all been out of the Word of God, Scripture, And some of the material I share today is gleaned from a book, Spiritual Warfare for Every Christian by Dean Sherman. And today we're going to talk about Satan's plan or his strategy. How do we know? How do we know what to do if we don't know his strategy? What is is the strategy of the enemy? We've got to know. I know that if you go to a football game and you watch the coaches on the sideline, you have the offensive coordinator, you have the defensive coordinator and they're trying to figure out the strategy of the opponent, of the enemy. Why? So they can win. And we need to understand the strategy of the enemy so we can win, so we can defeat the enemy. Today we're going to look at three battlegrounds. Where does this spiritual battle take place? What is the locus or where where does the the battle take place so that we can be aware of where we're being attacked? today three battlegrounds now most of us know this great quote in fact it's found in in um, the four spiritual laws if you've used that for evangelism says God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life how many of you heard that God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life a great solid truth God loves each and every one of us and he has a great plan for us positive it's a biblical statement and many of us have discovered the truth of that statement but conversely, there's another statement that's equally as true. Satan hates you and has a horrible plan for your life. Satan hates you has a horrible plan for your life. Just as true as God loves you and has a great plan. It's a negative statement, but it's true. You know, many times in America, especially over the last decade or so, we've, we've kind of wanted to diminish what what Satan's doing we like to think you know it's really not that bad things are pretty good we're in a Christian nation things are going well Um, and and we don't like to concentrate and I don't want us to concentrate on the negative but we must be aware of the strategy of the enemy how we're going to fight him we can't live in some kind of naive way with our heads stuck in the sand because we have an enemy Satan and he is out to destroy you You have a target on your back. He's out to destroy you. Count on it. The Bible tells us that. Now, a long time ago, we don't know exactly how long for sure, God created beings called angels. We're going to just look at a little background today. The angels were immortal spirit beings created by God to guard his interests and to carry out his will. They were to serve God and they were to serve his creation. They were created sometime before the creation of human beings. We're not sure exactly. But before human beings were created, angels were created. In Job 38, 7, it says, While the morning stars sang together, all the angels shouted for joy. This scripture describes the praises of the angels to God when the earth was created. They were beings that supported God, worshipped God, and they sang God's praises when the creation came about. And according to the scriptures, one angel... The best and brightest, most beautiful, whose name was Lucifer, became proud and attempted a coup in heaven. And God removed him for his rebellion, and we believe about one-third of all the angels went with him. Pride followed by rebellion created what we know today as Satan, and that is called, Satan means adversary, a spiritual angelic being who is in rebellion against God trying to destroy any and all of God's good creation. That's his agenda. If God created it good, he's what he wants to destroy. That's his agenda. And that includes you. You. 1 Peter 5, 8, be controlled, self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a lion looking for someone to devour. Let's start by talking about Satan's plan. We want to know his strategy. Satan's plan. Satan's plan for all of us as people, human beings, is destruction. Destruction. John 10.10 says, The thief, speaking of the enemy, comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Steal, kill, and destroy. Ephesians 6.12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. The word struggle is a very personal word. It denotes a one-on-one wrestling match. If you did wrestling in any time in, in your background in school, you understand that wrestling is one-on-one, and there's only one that wins. It's a struggle. This wrestling match is to the death. Satan, it's a wrestling match, a personal struggle, trying to destroy you. That's his, it's an ongoing fight it's continuous. We'll talk more about this in the next week. Second Corinthians 2.11 says, In order that Satan may not outwit us, we are not unaware of his schemes. We must understand, what is his scheme? What is his strategy to, to beat us? What is his strategy to destroy us? Now, most of us, if you're, if you're like me, you like to avoid conflict and confrontation. We, and if we're left with, to ourselves, we'd like to say, you know, I I just want peace. I don't want to deal with this stuff. Well, believe me, the battle is here, and it's obvious today. We have no choice. We like to peace like peace. We like to stay away from battles. Sometimes we think if I just ignore him, he'll go away. Maybe I can appease him. Maybe I don't want to talk about it. But we forget that Satan's plan is to steal, kill, and destroy. He's not going to just go away. We need to be aware, remember. Not alarmed, but aware. Aware of the enemy, but impressed with God. So, what is Satan's plan? Satan's plan is, first of all, to steal. To steal. What does he want to steal? He wants to steal your health. He wants to steal your joy. He wants to steal your peace, your confidence. He wants to steal your sense of well-being. He wants to steal your productivity. He wants to steal your time. He wants to steal your faith, your strength, your talent, your money. Anything positive and good, Satan is out to steal. He wants to steal it. What happened when 9-11 came? What happened? Our peace was stolen. It disrupted our sense of security and well-being. Fear replaced confidence. Uncertainty replaced joy. cost us millions of dollars and created disruptions ever since 9-11 the enemy that came at us in the physical realm disrupted peace I don't know if you remember what it was like at airports before some of you weren't born yet 9-11 man you just walk into the airport throw your bag in and just walk to the plane and get on what happens now run through metal detectors and this and they pull you out and they search your luggage if you miss something in your luggage they they take you into a room and interrogate you and make you think like you're a criminal you know all kinds of things I bet we'd have a lot of stories of what happened how our peace was stolen by the enemy the enemy Satan wants to steal your peace your sense of well being it's his plan Satan will also kill Satan will kill any way he can and we're talking literally spiritually physically anything to do with death has his endorsement euthanasia abortion violent crime mass shootings murder in all forms that's his agenda suicide thoughts like I wish I'd never been born or life is not worth living and I think I'll end my misery and pain or or slow death through drugs, alcohol, or disease. Abuse of the body through sexual promiscuity or sexually transmitted diseases. Slow forms of suicide or self-destruction through drugs or alcohol or addictions, food addictions, anorexia, bulimia, any abuse of our bodies. Satan is into that. He wants us to kill the body. Kill us. Satan is into death. There's also kill in the sense of spiritual separation from God. He wants to separate us from God. That's his agenda. He wants to kill our relationship with God. And then the third one is destroy. Destroy. Satan and his demons are all about destruction. They will attempt to destroy your marriage. Your marriage. He tries to destroy marriage as an institution. He's been working really hard at that. Whether it's through divorce or gay marriage or transgender. I know we talk about this often. It's such a huge battleground right now. Marriage is such a huge battleground. Marriage, why is he attacking marriage in particular? Marriage is a picture of the the, combina- or the the relationship between God and his church. We are the bride of Christ. God, Jesus is the groom. And that's the picture of the sacredness of marriage. And if there's anything that's the foundation of our society and culture, it's marriage. It's marriage. God created male and female for this reason. A man shall leave his mother Father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife; they will become one flesh. Marriage is the most sacred of all institutions. So, where does Satan concentrate his power? Marriage, whether it's divorce, same-sex marriage, or transgender—whatever that might be. Now, let, let me just—I'll just say this: marriage is not found in the Constitution of the United States. Okay? It's not. Marriage—you can't—you can't find reference. You, there's life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. That's, that's in the Constitution. It, it doesn't address marriage per se. Same-sex marriage was created out of thin air by five Supreme Court justices. They just created it and said, we're going to make this. We're going to make the same-sex marriage. That Before then, it was up to the states. And the states regulated marriage. Well, Satan wants to destroy marriage any way he can that's why it's important that we fight it we understand his strategy because if you destroy marriage whether it's through same-sex marriage or or whether it's transgender which is taking it to a whole different level it destroys the fabric of culture the society it destroys the image of God we are made in the image of God if he can destroy marriage he destroys the image of God so be aware be aware. This is not just an agenda of some crazies from California. This is an agenda of the Satan who rules a lot of the world to destroy his entire creation. Satan will try to destroy good relationships, relationships with children. He'll de- try to destroy your relationship with their parents, friends, and families. He'll attack your finances, your ministry. Destruction. Satan's goal is destruction and devastation of any and all things. And you look at our country today and know that he will stop at nothing. He will stop at nothing. This whole transgender thing. I heard somebody told me a story last week that um, there, a boy was in, in his home, about an 8 or 10-year-old, came home and he said, um, I, I want to identify, I'm, I'm identifying as a cat. So his dad said, okay, that's fine. And they get ready to sit down for dinner, and he said, came up to the table and said, No, no, no. He says, There's your bowl. Cats eat cats eat over there. I got of that bowl. And he said, okay. Then they get ready to go to bed. And he was going to go up to his bedroom. He said, No, no. He said, Cats sleep in the barn. If you want to sleep, if you want to sleep here, you have to be a, a person. Otherwise, you have to go out to the barn to sleep. The boy thought for a moment and said, I don't want to be a cat. He the, the absurdity of that identity thing. I mean, we have everything from a 62-year-old man in England that wanted to self-identify as a 20-some-year-old so he could be on the dating websites of young people. And he took it to court. He sued so he could identify as a 27-year-old. You have people that are trying to identify it. Now it's, it's like, I want to identify self-identify as a disabled person so that I can get disability and I can get those parking permits and I can park everywhere. I'm serious. Disability. So you can say, I identify as a disabled person. You know, whether it's some gender, whether it's an animal or that, I mean, there's no end to it. It's bizarre. Where does that come from? Satan's trying to destroy the image of God and who we are created to be. Who would have thought this how many years ago? How long has this been in in the works? Never thought about it. Satan has all the exact opposite characteristics of God. God is love, Satan is hate. God is faith, Satan is unbelief. God is generosity, Satan is greed. God is encouragement, Satan is sarcasm. God is life, Satan is death. And what happens where Satan has his way? Nazi Germany, Stalin's Russia, Russia, devaluing of human life, murder of 6 million Jews, 3 million Christians, the destruction of the entire European continent. He's trying to steal and kill and destroy. Now you're all aware of that. Let's move on to the three battleground areas. What, where does this battle take place? The first place it takes place is in the mind. The mind. 2 Corinthians 4, 3-4 to four says, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Unbelievers just, they, they are blinded. They just cannot see. Who does that? Satan blinds them. I've talked to people that they just about the gospel the good news about Jesus and they just have no, no concept why they're blinded it takes the battle is in the mind that we need to pray that God will open their mind 2 Corinthians 10 3-5 for though we live in the world we do not wage war as the world does very important statement the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world on the contrary they demolish they have divine power to demolish strongholds We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. The battle in the realm of the mind. That's where it starts, in the mind. Now, our thoughts originate from three sources. You know, we're always thinking about something. Okay? We're always thinking about something. I know that... In meditation, they may teach you to empty your mind, but that that can be dangerous, by the way. You've got to make sure you fill it with Jesus first during the time. Our thoughts originate from one of three sources. Myself, thought originates in our minds. God created us with the ability to think and originate thoughts. Thoughts also originate from God. So they can come from us and come from God. God can speak to our minds through the Bible, the Word of God, he can speak directly through revelation and guidelines. The Holy Spirit can speak not only to our minds but to our spirit. The Holy Spirit can speak through our conscience. There are many ways that God speaks to us. So, thoughts in our mind coming from God. Thoughts also originate not only from ourselves and from God, they also originate from Satan. They can originate from Satan. Satan or demons can put thoughts in our minds. Extreme example is the man who killed his wife and children and told everybody, God told me to do it. Some Something got twisted in his mind. Satan put the thought in his mind and he carried it out. God would never tell someone to kill their spouse or children. Satan would, because Satan is into death. 1 Timothy 4.1 says, the Spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Satan can put thoughts in our mind. We need to pay attention, give heed to deceiving spirits or doctrines of demons. Now, I don't believe Satan can read our minds. I don't believe he has the capability to read our minds. I think he can draw some pretty good conclusions by our circumstances and where we are. But Don't ever sit there and say... My mind is being... No. He can't read our minds. Only God can do that. Psalm 7, 9 says, O righteous God, who searches minds and hearts. So God searches our mind. He can do that. But demons can put suggestions in our mind. They can put suggestions in our mind. We look at the temptation of Jesus. He was God. And he had suggestions put in his mind. Throw yourself down. Do this, do this. You can have all this... Satan can make suggestions into our minds. In Matthew 16, Jesus told his disciples, he said, the Son of Man, speaking of himself, has to be given to the, the, the leaders and the religious uh, leaders of the Jews, and they are, going to, they are going to abuse me and beat me and crucify me. He, and, and, and the disciples said, whoa, wait a minute. In fact, Peter argued with Jesus, saying, it wasn't necessary for you to die. He said, don't, that's not necessary. What did Jesus say? What did Jesus say in Matthew sixteen, twenty three? Get behind me, Satan. He didn't say, Peter, shut up. He said, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Why the rebuke? Peter wasn't demonized or demon-possessed. But evidently Peter was speaking out a thought that Satan put in his mind. And so Satan put that in. And who did Peter, who did Jesus rebuke? Satan. Rebuke Satan. Evidently, Peter was speaking out a thought that Satan had placed in his mind. Gene, Dean Sherman writes: Most spiritual warfare takes place in the human mind. It involves recognizing when a thought is not righteous or when it does not agree with God's truth. Recognizing is that thought contradictory to, to God's truth? Well, we gotta know the truth if we're gonna do that. It's the Bible. Not all evil thoughts are from Satan, but he will exploit them and add to them. In James 1, 13 to fourteen it says, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone but each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed then after desire has conceived it gives birth to sin and sin when it is full grown gives birth to death evil thoughts can originate from our own mind or from Satan both so there's a battle going on in the thought realm no question about it and most of us would say I know I experience it every day there's a battle going on for our minds. It's critical to win in the thought realm because every action we take originates in the mind. starts there. Examples are examples of imagination. God has created us to be creative. The devil can fuel our imagination with falsehoods or evil thoughts. Have you ever said, where did that thought come from? I don't know if you've ever said that. Well... Be aware. The enemy is seeking to kill and destroy. He'll throw those at you. God intends our imagination to be used for faith, not unrighteousness, hope, not doubt, good, not evil. A second example of our mind battle is in the the realm of truth. I I spend a lot of time talking about truth. My, My life motto is speaking the truth in love. You can speak the truth without love, but you cannot truly love without speaking. We must speak truth. We must understand truth. And one of the one of the, the great faults in the pulpits of America, and I'm not pointing out any fingers to any individual in particular, is we teach the truth of the Word of God, but we don't take serious the prophetic the prophetic role. The prophets in the Old Testament and the New Testament, they declared the truth of God and warned people. This is what's wrong. This is what we need to watch out for. This is right. This is wrong. Prophets declare the word of God and say, if you don't follow the word of God, this is what's going to happen. That's the, that's the prophetic nature of the future. The prophets would say, this is God's word to you, nation of Israel. And then they said, if you don't follow God's word, that's what's going to happen. That's prophetic. And many, many pastors in the pulpit are loath to speak the truth because they're afraid of what people might think. Well, they not say truth is relative, truth is unknowable. I have my truth, you have your truth. There's no absolute knowable truth. Truth without factual basis is opinion. Some people just cannot believe in God or an intelligent designer. Truth truth I remember when my daughter Brianna was running a track in high school and, and she injured her quadricep muscle this particular muscle during a track workout we took her immediately to a sports medicine specialist and one of the reasons I remember that other than I was trying to help my daughter you know her injury was in the exam room, they had a 3D model of the human knee. The knee. I don't know how many of you have ever, ever looked at the human knee. You know, you take it for granted unless you have knee surgery, like Luann. They say, "What happened to the knee?" The knee is a very complex joint. You have tendons, cartilage, and a specific way the bones fit together. Very complex. Some of you have had knee replacement surgery, and it's pretty good. They're they're made by man, but not as good as the original. And people would say, if they don't believe in a divine creator, they say, "Oh, it just kind of evolved. It kind of happened, and you know, we just kind of came about by accident." They don't believe in an intelligent designer. Now, they may not believe in God, but you, there's no way you can look at even the human knee without believing in an intelligent design with an intelligent designer. Truth, truth. There's so much truth that we have to hold to. Who says Jesus is the only way to God? Jesus did. There are attacks all over on the mind in the realm of truth. Then there are attacks in the mind in the realm of morality. Right versus wrong, good versus bad. Is there right? Is there wrong? Is there good? Is there evil? The key word today is choice. Choice. We want to choose. Killing is called choice. Perversion is called an alternative lifestyle. Depravity is called self-expression. Self-control is called unhealthy repression. Moral irresponsibility is called freedom. Vulgarity is called freedom of speech. Pornography is called adult entertainment. All kinds of things that we deal with morally in the mind. I had somebody one time... Speaking of the mind, talking about pornography and justified pornography on the internet, and said to me, "You know, the, the pictures aren't real. They're just digitized. They're just ones and zeros. It can't be wrong to look at ones and zeros, could it? I don't know if you've ever had that argument with somebody. It's just ones and zeros. I know it's pornographic images, but it, it's just computerized. Can't be, can't be wrong. What do you suppose that pornography is?" chronographic image is reduced to in our brains. Chemical reactions, nerve impulses. What's wrong with that? We could justify all kinds of things with that rationale. Jesus said, if you look on someone in lust, and desire, it's just as bad as the physical act itself. So, all kinds of justifications for all kinds of behavior in the mind. It just happened in my mind. I, I just thought it. I didn't do it. Jesus said, if you look at someone in lust, it's just as bad as a physical act itself. makes no distinction between a chemical reaction, a nerve impulse in the brain, the real thing. Nor is there any distinction between a digitized image and the real thing. The battle is in the mind. People, it's in the mind. Morality It's a huge, huge battle. And 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, we demolish arguments in every... Pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. Is there a battle going on? Yeah. There's a battle. It's real. Not one person here hasn't dealt with the battle in the mind. Imagination, truth, morality. And then there's religion. 2 Timothy 4, 3-4 through four says, For the time will come when men will not put up a sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Wow. Wow. Rampant. Rampant. Online. On media. Live. All kinds of places says God exists for my benefit therefore I think I'm just gonna create my own religion I'll create my own religion where God's a God of grace forgives every sin Um, things aren't that bad and um, I'm here to prosper and be rich I'm here to whatever everything's about me it's not about God it's about me something called syncretism creating your own religion we'll have a God of love not justice and wrath Um, We'll put reincarnation in there because I like to get more than one chance the mind. There's a huge huge battle in the mind. And I don't get a chance and I don't I don't very often speak about other media preachers or whatever. But be very discerning about that. Because if they are just giving you pablum or dessert or just make you feel good I had somebody I went out to lunch one day a person of my congregation in Seattle and he said to me you know Pastor Mark I, what you say doesn't always make me feel good I said you know what it's the word of God I said the word of God doesn't always make us feel good all of sinned to fall short of the glory of God this is sin. This is righteousness, whatever. We're not here to feel good. We are here to be good. We're here to stand up in righteousness. And if all we hear is something that makes us feel good, then we'll say, um, it's a coach that doesn't care about me improving. He's just making me feel good all the time. Mind, bad, bad, bad. the next is the heart. The heart is the realm of affections. Affections. Satan will try to steal your heart. What is your first love? What do you love the most? That's a question. 1 John 2.15 says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Matthew 6.24 No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one, love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. The world, the world, things in the world, money, possessions. It doesn't say don't have them. It doesn't say don't enjoy them. The Bible never says that money is the root of all evil. Some people say money is the root of all evil. I'm going to take a, take a vow of poverty because money is the root of all No. It says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. The love of money. That's the affections and Satan will do that. Uh, uh, affections in the heart. We also have to look at attitudes. We have to guard against the sin of action, but sometimes tolerate the sins of attitude. It's easier to hide attitude, and it's easier to justify. Ephesians 4.26-27, through 27, we looked at this a couple weeks ago, says, in your anger do not sin, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. A foothold. We talked about giving the devil inroads, and if we have a bad attitude in which we can hide, nobody can see it then we give the devil a place an opportunity for what? influence, power and control, attitude we're just as responsible for our actions as we are our attitudes thirdly, emotions he says in Ephesians 4.31 get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger bawling and slander along with every form of malice Satan would love to see our emotions out of control, up, down no stability and the third battleground after the heart is the mouth. The mouth. Yeah. We use our mouth to proclaim truth and to encourage one another. To speak love. We also allow our mouths to become instruments of destruction in the hands of the devil. Huge, huge battleground. Words are amazing tools. Words are amazing, amazing tools. Proverbs says words can bring life or death, healing or destruction. We can pray a prayer here, words, out loud, and impact a life thousands of miles away. Words, words. We can pray for someone's deliverance. We can pray for the blood of Jesus Christ to be effective in a, in a situation, deliverance or healing, and they can be healed or delivered. Words, words have incredible power. If we release a supernatural power for good to help people, what kind of power is released if we complain or criticize or gossip? That's why James 1.19 says, Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. James 3.5-6 says, Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among parts of the body, It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. We've talked about this and that's a whole other sermon. James 3.10 Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing my brothers, this should not be. What is coming out of my mouth? Starts in the mind, in the heart, and that gets revealed with the mouth. Do we bless each other? Um, somebody said once, I, j- I have, I don't know what my spiritual gifts are, but I, I, I just have the gift of encouragement. Like it's minimized. Uh, I, I, I don't have the gift of teaching. I don't have the gift of this. I, I just have the gift of encouragement. Let me tell you something. Encouragement is the oil that makes the whole machine right encouragement encouragement the tongue positive encouragement and it can be i like your sweater or those new glasses did you lose weight no i do do i have to be careful what you do <laughs> encouragement where, where you just say positive things to people saying i appreciate this just find little things not, not to manipulate. We're not trying to gain something or gain an advantage or make them feel like better about us. But encouragement, genuine encouragement, that is so powerful. Nobody has just the gift of encouragement. Somebody has the gift of encouragement, and it is huge. It's the gift of the tongue, and I, I wish I had more time to go into that. But we need to to fill this place. Fill body of Christ, our connect groups, our ministries, our homes, our places of employment, wherever we are with the gift of encouragement. Spiritual warfare is real. Three battlegrounds, the mind, the heart, and the mouth. And if we consistently watch over our minds and hearts and mouth, submit our minds and our heart and our mouths to God, we will deny Satan access to the battlegrounds in our life, so he cannot by any means steal, kill, or destroy. Again, as we go forward, again, remember what God has given us, and be aware. Don't be alarmed. Be aware. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You got the Father, we thank you that you have given us affirmation about the fact that there is a battle. But the fact that you've also given us the power. You've already won. And I just pray, God, that you would help us to be aware of what's happening in which battleground and and where we go because you've raised us up as a church of Jesus Christ, as individuals and families and neighborhoods and places of employment in in Eau Claire and beyond to make a difference. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would see those victories today. And I pray that as we move out today that we would surrender to you our minds, our hearts, in our mouths to you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Let's stand, please.